0: Welcome into the Mostly Magic podcast. Jake Chavin here with you. Thursday, December 1st, the magic fall last night for the Atlanta Hawks. 125-108, the final score. Now it's out on the road for two. We'll see Cleveland Friday night and then Toronto in Canada. That will be on Saturday evening. Good news to start the day yesterday. Actually, going back to uh, Tuesday, you're getting healthy, at least a little bit in the backcourt. Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony back last night. Cole for the first time since game four. Markel, for the first time this season, he had been kneeling, uh, of course, with a broken toe. Cole with an oblique injury. Uh, Markel, in the starting lineup last night, played 17 minutes, eight points, four assists. He was three of eight from the field. Uh, Those four assists, one turnover and a couple steals couple bell ring in play, so it was good to see him out there. And then Cole Anthony last night off the bench, 24 minutes, uh, 11 points on three of seven shooting. My guest for the program today is going to break down last night with me for about two minutes. Then we're going to talk about more fun, friendly things uh, to discuss. He is the, he's one half of the No Prep Pod. He's Dan Savage from OrlandoMagic.com on Twitter at Dan underscore Savage. And we call it the No Prep Pod because anytime Dan and I do the podcast together, we just get up and yap about Orlando Magic basketball. Dan, I I, I was thinking we were going to have a big fun welcome back, Markel and Cole pod. Magic had a big dub last night. I literally said on the radio show yesterday, we're going to win this game tonight. And it was over by the end of the first, wasn't it?
1: No, it was. And, you know, the Atlanta Hawks decided to spoil our, our party. Uh, I think some of that had to do with the fact that they were on a three-game losing streak of their own. Yes. They had a lot of things that they wanted to get right. And... You know, when you look at their group and how much they've played together this season versus the Orlando Magic and how many times Jamal Mosley's had to restructure that lineup, pulling players in and out due to injury, even had to do it again last night in the middle of the game. (laughs) Uh, You saw the continuity differences uh, come to form. And I think that played a big role, especially early on in that matchup. Um. You
0: have about as close a back and forth with him in the press conferences as anybody, um, Coach Mosley, that is. And I think you finally started to hear um, last week a little bit of frustration, finally. I mean, coming down the stretch with seven guys, he said he's never seen anything like this. Um, I can't even think off the top of my head what game that was. But then last night, it's almost equally frustrating because you start to get guys back, and then Gary goes down after 17 minutes. With a hamstring, and then you already have a, a cap on the minutes you can play. Martel and Cole, so and then like to me, and we'll get into this in a minute, but you know you're still really, really short-handed. Yeah, you got guards back, but now you don't have a front line. Can you sense, Dan, that Coach Mosley is starting to? Uh, he's so relentlessly optimistic, and we know he's not going to show it, but like this has to be really frustrating.
1: You know, if there's anybody who's equipped. To deal with something like this, yeah. it, it, it's Jamal Mosley yeah. and his ability to put things behind him. Obviously, he gets caught up in the moment just like anybody would. We've seen his passion in some of the wins. We've seen him you know, try to manage it in, in some of the losses. Uh, but I just think he's got a great way about him that's authentic where he's able to, to process things and keep a, keep the ship level. Uh, amidst crises as the Magic have had to deal with in terms of their injury situation. I think what's frustrating to him and where I really feel for him is that it's really hard in the current NBA to get young teams to win. And then it's even harder when those young pieces are going in and out of the lineup because there's not nearly uh, the amount of practice time or shoot around time that there used to be in the Mm. league. And you look at it, you know, yesterday they're inserting Markel back into the lineup, Cole Anthony back into the lineup. They didn't even have a true practice with any of those guys getting ready to, to take, you know, back the reins in a sense when you consider they're both point guards, uh, at times on the floor. So that makes things really difficult. Uh, And it doesn't get any easier with the team having to go on the road today and and not having any additional practice time.
0: That's a really good point. What, like, how do you have you been able to glean any insight from Coach Mose and the staff about how about what they do? I mean, I I know everybody has hotel, hotel ballroom walkthroughs and obviously film sessions ad nauseum. They've got everything at their fingertips. But if you can't get guys on the floor, um, just in terms of making up practice time, like like how do you how do you rush the pick and roll coverage against the Atlanta Hawks with two new guys? like what like what do you do?
1: no, and, and it's exactly that. you know you try to do as much film work as you can. You see these guys, whether it be on the plane, whether it's in the hotel ballrooms, the lobbies, the lunches, they're always sitting down with the computer trying to show guys as much as they can and catch them up to the speed. but it's hard to make up for real game experience right and you know, one of the stats trying to pull working here a little bit over time is the Orlando Magic right now have the third youngest roster in the NBA. We know that, uh, but when it comes to game experience, they're even younger because you mm. consider guys like Bull who are, you know, three years into the league. Uh, he's barely played about thirty games in the NBA. You consider a guy like Markel, who's a little further in, you know, coming on season five or six now, and you know, he's only played probably about like two and a half full seasons. I think Markel's
0: played the same number of games in a magic uniform as Franz. Yeah.
1: Right? So then you, you see, you go, you start going down the line with those type of guys and they're even in terms of an experience standpoint, even younger than a lot of the young teams already that, that are, you know, up there in that category. Yeah. So as much as you want to walk through film, it's hard to replicate this live experience that this team needs and reps together. And even though young guys are getting experience, they're playing different positions. You look at one night, Paolo's at the five, the next night he's at the three, you know, you insert Wendell in there. He's your rebounder rim protector. He goes out. You're having to split those duties between bowl and Bamba. Then Bamba goes out. And so these guys, even if they're out there, aren't even experiencing continuity right now in their roles necessarily. And I I think that's just been so underlooked. Like you assume, oh, Bull's out there. You know, he's started, you know, whatever, many games in a row. Well, he's played three different positions even over the course of that starting. So he's asked, so when you see guys miss rotations, miscommunication, who's protecting the rim at this point, I think a lot of it falls back to that. And I think as hopefully they get guys back and guys stay in the lineup, I think we'll see a lot of those communications issues be alleviated and you won't see the type of losses that we've seen in the last two home games kind of repeat themselves over and over.
0: Yeah. Because last night you could tell that every, everything they did Atlanta was ready for, or had a quick counter for, and that was, and and, and that's not coaching. That is DeJounte Murray and Trey young. That's having veterans with the ball in their hands. And every time, I mean, if the entire second half last night, Dan was Dejounte Murray mid range. I mean, he got to the free throw line and made like seven jumpers in a row, and 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 we and you know you saw Mo Wagner dropping, and then you saw him you know hedging or doing whatever. Like he, they were switching up the pick and roll coverage, and Atlanta was reacting. And I'm sure there were guys missing. I did. The help defense was not there last night, and I think, like you said. It can kind of boil down to like, okay, who's helping me today? Who's available? Uh, is it Kivon? Is it RJ? Is it Gary? I'm not even sure because I gotta check the injury report before I can figure out who's all out on the floor. Um, it's it's it can be very frustrating. And then the big thing is for the coaching staff, you know, and this goes back to last year, the whole thing is supposed to be about evaluating our own guys and who plays well together and groupings and um and what might work and experimenting basically you just don't have that big a
1: sample size right now because you're missing six guys every night no and it makes it even harder to hold players accountable mm. you know if a guy's not bringing it from an energy and effort standpoint and you feel his focus is a little bit off you still have to blame anyway because right. there's not enough body it's <laughs> also a good so, point yeah so that makes it it makes it really tough to pull a guy off the court And, you know, I'm not saying any of these guys are are not bringing it intentionally, but maybe they're a little confused or they're, they're, reacting to a coverage well and let's just say
0: this dan real quick because i think that's a very good point and and it's not a matter of we're not talking about high school coaching discipline run 10 laps we're talking about professional sports which is if you don't get the job done somebody else gets an opportunity to get the job done it doesn't have to be a personal like you're not trying hard enough give me 10 push-ups it's literally like you turn the ball over six times so now somebody who's not going to turn the ball over six times is going to play that's the way it's supposed to work and 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 you don't have that option right now if your mostly simply because of the injury report like you said.
1: No, and this game is so fast that a lot of times mental processing is a big reason why it looks like the effort isn't there. So Yeah, that's a good point. If it's a guy's blown two pick and roll coverages or rotation coverages in a row, you know, normally you'd maybe want to pull him off the court, sit him down with one of the assistant coaches while the game's going on and point out, "Hey, this is what you're doing wrong. Fix it." You don't necessarily have the opportunity to do that. When there's nobody else to go to on the bench and so i think that's a big thing that that's currently missing right now is is the ability to do that and you're seeing that kind of you know materialize on the court and then you just consider first time you know franz is playing extended time with markel your first time that Paolo's playing with mount Ma- markel cole anthony and markel even though they've been on the team together for so long haven't overlapped with playing time all that much So we're going to have to get a lot of those reps and and try to see what happens. And, you know, meanwhile, with Atlanta, you were talking about, you know, the combination of of Murray coming off. and They have so much veteran talent there, playoff-seasoned experience on top of that. And so it's just an interesting matchup. They do a lot of things that are unique. You know, you go from playing at teams like Philadelphia that are so dangerous from beyond the three-point line, and then you come to a team like Atlanta, and you think, Oh, three point shooting because of Trey young, but you know, they more than any other team in the NBA, which was surprised when I was looking up the statistics for the pre- my preview story are scoring a greater percentage of their points from two than any other team in the NBA. So they're dominating the mid range. So when you have a young team and you're trying to set up coverages over a two game span where you're playing this home and home series with Philadelphia and then, uh, you know, you're switching to a team that's playing completely different in Atlanta. It just makes it even tougher.
0: The, it's a good point. It's, uh, I was trying to figure, let's do Atlanta real fast. Cause I did the same thing yesterday. You're looking at their numbers. It almost feels like Trey goes, okay, tonight I'm going to score 40 and then tomorrow night I'm going to dish out 15 assists, but he never seems to like strike that balance. He's either shooting at 15 times or 35 times. Um, and I think that's probably just them working Murray back in and they don't have a ton of depth on the roster. They don't turn the ball over, but they don't shoot the ball very well from three. But you're right, like that mid-range is, it's just there all day. And maybe that's just where Murray prefers to operate. But what's your takeaway from that team? It, it looks like, I like, I, I you can't win a championship with that core right now. Maybe in two or three years, if everybody improves, it feels like they probably need to make another move. But I wouldn't be shocked if we looked up in, in April and they were the three seed in the Eastern Conference
1: no i mean we all know that the mid-range game comes more into play during playoffs they're mm-hmm. equipped for that uh but i think they need some more three-point shooting on that team around Bogdanovich
0: back right i mean that's gonna be huge that, that's for them. that's
1: that's gonna be big for them uh whenever that's able to happen i think you know he would be a great piece um you know We've heard the John Collins rumors. Is he going to be there long term? Is he going to, you know, go? Is he the piece that moves that brings you back some more three point shooting? That's what I'll be curious. Uh, you know, obviously they put a lot in the bucket to go get Murray. They give up a lot of their short term assets mm-hmm. and, and a little bit into the long term. Uh, but that's that's what I'll be curious because I, I just think they need to add. You had some three point shooting around Trey. Uh, it's going to continue to open up the the lanes for him and he's just so dangerous at drawing contact uh you know just creates a nightmare scenario for guys trying to cover him
0: the other thing is this mr savage magic have lost seven of eight and the one of eight that they won was the one game that wendell carter jr played like i think it's pretty obvious that that guy does things that nobody else on roster does like we can make up for i'm not saying that he's you know the most valuable player on roster or whatever. I mean, we don't need to do the semantics, but I think he is the most indispensable player on the roster. When Paulo's out, you can find a scoring from somewhere. When Wendell's out, you can't find the post defense, the screen setting, the toughness, the leadership, the rebounding, all of those things. Like he's the only guy who brings that. And we need him back.
1: You know, when you talk to Jeff Weltman or Jamal Mosley, and you talk about guys who dominate the simple. That's one of the key phrases we heard yeah. media day early in the season. That do the little things that just help winning. Wendell Carter Jr. is one of the first players that comes out of their mouth and exemplifies that. Everything he does isn't necessarily in the box score. Uh, he's willing to do the dirty work, willing to set the hard screens, willing to go in and fight for rebounds, fight for positioning. You know, some nights he may be getting. You know, the opportunity to score 20 points the next night, it's 10. And he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He just wants to play to win. And I think that's why him and Franz Wagner have established such a good relationship is because they both operate the exact same way, which is focused on those type of things. And so I, I really think the Magic need him back. When you're a young team, when you're an inexperienced team, your margin for error is so thin in this league And to lose a guy like that, I just think is really hurting them because he's one of the more seasoned players, does the things the coaches are asking for. And that stuff is just contagious. And I really think that the Magic need him back Uh, in order to start dominating the categories that they were performing so well in early in the season, which is rebounding, second chance points. Those were such big staples why they were able to have so many close games. And your thought process was, okay if they're in these close games now and you start adding some of these pieces back in, they can start taking some of those close games that they were losing and start winning them. But when you pull a piece like that out of the puzzle, I think it just disrupts so much. It takes Paolo out of where he was playing. It takes Franz out of where he was playing. And I thought you had a really nice young nucleus of that front court trio together uh, that was just doing so well. And then you start considering like, okay, now Bowl is asked to be playing more minutes. You know, you're playing other guys out of position. And I, I just think it's created such a ripple effect that could be alleviated if Wendell Carter Jr. was back in there.
0: Yeah, it's just, you know, the the load carried by Franz Wagner over the last two weeks, is just like unfair. And it's just I'm talking about minutes, I'm talking about offensive load usage, getting the crap kicked out of him every time he drives the lane, like now, all of a sudden, you're seeing, and now these nagging injuries, like, you know, these are legitimate because you got guys who are playing too many minutes, probably. You've got guys who are sort of thrust into roles. I love Caleb Houston. I thought he played well in Brooklyn. He's not ready to start an NBA game. That's not what the game plan was for that guy. He is a long-term developmental prospect. And again, like, credit to him. He stepped up and did his, and and, and played pretty well in, in that spot. But you're supposed to have some grace period with a second-round pick, a 19-year-old like Caleb Houston. And you just don't, everybody's just thrust into bigger roles, more minutes than, um, than I think was originally designed, obviously, when you put the team together. The other thing about Wendell before we move on is that going back to that accountability thing that you mentioned, uh, he's, he's the guy, he's the guy who at halftime says, this ain't working. We got to step it up. We heard those stories last year. We know that he's, he's the one or, or one of the guys who demands that respect and is comfortable saying those things, you know, Having the, a coaching staff who who you know, rides you is great, but it's got to come internally. It's got to be within the locker room, and it can't be a veteran at the end of the bench either. It's got to be one of the guys out there. One of your best players has to have that leadership mantle. And um, I, from what I understand and from what I've seen, he's he, he's the guy who rises to that occasion. So I think you're missing that too.
1: No, without a doubt, he he's at the heart of it. I think when you look at players that were going to take that type of step. This season, he was at the forefront of that. I think we've seen Franz slowly start to become more vocal. It may not be as natural for him, but he's his competitive edge is, is starting to elevate in that. I think that's going to be a big part of where Markel um, starts to grow. He touched on that last night in his his post-game press conference. is like, look, we have to hold each other's feet to the fire. Those were his exact words and I think he's going to be at that. But I think where Markell excels is kind of pointing out positioning, where you should go on a thing. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's how you should see it. I think where Wendell could be a little bit more of a driver of this is unacceptable. We have to perform better. We've got to stick to the game plan, those type of things, that instead of having to call a timeout, you can just simply say after a made basket or in between while somebody else is taking a free throw. And I think... That's where we're going to see Wendell continue to grow. He's already making strides on that because he's just all about the right stuff. And if you're going to hold other players accountable, you better be doing the right things. And I think Wendell has that track record of, I follow the game plan. I'm where I'm supposed to be. I do the dirty work and other guys have to respect that.
0: Kind of quickly before we go, uh, Markel, like, I, I think you sort of nailed what I wanted to ask you about, and, and the way I feel about it is like the positioning, Everything is going to be much more, I thought having Gary Harris back, just knowing where your floor spacers are going to be made a big difference, but with Markel, I mean, that is now all of a sudden, it's like a, a, a general, now you have an organizer on the floor, and you saw that at times last night, and I think as he, as he expands his role coming back, you're going to see that a lot more, he just, he just puts everybody in the right place.
1: Yeah. And you just saw the pace of the magic Mm. accelerate exceptionally. I I just started to look at the pace numbers with him on and off the floor last night. And there's a stark difference uh, over a hundred with him on. And then, you know, depending on whether you had Cole Anthony in the lineup or not, you know, it could fall into the nineties. So he, he's making a big difference. I kind of sit on the baseline there and you could just see after made buckets, he was like get me the ball quick and, and you know it kind of caught Paolo off guard a time or two where you know, he's going either to look at the official or talk about something and markell's like no there's no time for that let's get let's get going let's get in the offense let's try to catch them off balance before their defense is set and i think as players get accustomed to that and start knowing that hey if i cut here markell's going to find me yes it's going to it's going to make such a big difference to Some of the stagnant stretches that we've seen with this Orlando Magic team at times where, you know, you have one guy either dribbling around in some isolation with guys set on the on the outside. I think you're going to see much less of that with Markel at the helm where guys are going to be cutting off ball because they know, hey, if I make this backdoor cut here, I've got a floor general who's going to find me. And, and Markel excels at that. And you could just see the movement start to pick up. I, I thought the Magic's offense, you know, at times was, was really good last night, all things considered. I, I just thought the defensive communication is kind of really where, uh, you know, some of the struggles showed. And I think that's only going to be solved by having some reps together and some time out there on the practice floor. When <sighs> When will that happen? That's a good question, Jake, because we don't, the one thing you don't want to do right now, I made this mistake last night, was look ahead at that schedule. Oh, it's, I did that last week, bro. Oh, my God. It's a daunting, a daunting task and some back-to-backs in there. You know, you're just getting guys back and it's like, hey, let's go do a Cleveland-Toronto back-to-back. Yeah, seriously. Two teams you really want to play when you're trying to figure things out. And Atlanta, how? why do we have to have Atlanta on a three-game losing streak? Like,
0: Nate McMillan is always like one of my favorite pregame chat guys. And he came in and he was like, Oof. two word answers. He was all brooding. I'm like, oh my God, this is
1: not good. <laughs> Nate McMillan wasn't ready to tell you whether or not the eighth man on the roster was playing last night. Yes. You know, he, had, he, he, he was sharing nothing. It is, oh gosh. And then Hunter goes
0: down. Oh man. Yeah. No, that was, it did not, it did not set up well for it. All right. Take me through. Dan Savage, when you get home from a tough loss like last night, what do you do? do? Do you eat? I always need to eat when I get off the air. It's partially because I don't eat enough during the day. I'm always like slamming coffee and doing prep and stuff. So I get home and I always eat poorly. And it's probably why I put on 10, 15 pounds every every season. How What's Dan Savage's wind down process after, specifically after a tough game like last night?
1: You know, after you're done with the the post-game routine there's always a slight venting session so whether that's with uh josh cohen or uh you know some other people that i'm around you know you go through that that sort of cathartic process then there's Mm -hmm. the the problem solving phase here's here's what we got to do to to get things better and then you hit the optimistic standpoint and you know it kind of trickles down there of you know the the stages of of post-loss grief (laughs) um but but then from there you know I, i'm with you i think you do so much work leading up to the game the game itself that you burn off so much mental energy that's like you haven't moved necessarily in four or five hours other than maybe like 10 feet to walk to the press conference room and then back to your, your work spot but you're just so you know almost ravenous after after a game so yeah. definitely uh Definitely trying to pick up something to eat. It's easier when you're on the team playing because they just serve it to you. You don't even have to to think about it. Um, But then, uh, you know, if I'm if I'm going home after the loss, try to take the dog on a walk. I think it just, you know, we go into into nature and uh, just focus on the simple. Dominate the simple. Dominate
0: the simple. Oh, And then, yes. and then I,
1: have a, I have a sickness, Jake. I'm putting on League pass, too. I'm not going to lie. And, and watching all the West Coast games that, that that I've missed out on and try to catch some of those teams. So it's weird because, you know, the Magic are always usually playing at seven. That The teams I end up watching the most of that are non-Magic are West Coast teams because their games are hitting crunch time by the time you're done with all the Magic coverage. I've been particularly into odd college basketball the
0: last couple of weeks not because I'm watching and actually it's funny like last I week seen
1: there, these tweets of yours where you're commenting scores where teams have like 9 points at half
0: Oh that was the Portland Bible I wasn't watching that game I was just on ESPN Portland Bible this Portland Bible school played Portland State yesterday and I think they lost like 130 to 25 or something like that it was I felt bad for those guys I love I love obscure but it's funny because I was watching those tournaments last week um, you know, at one in the morning or whatever, they're playing in Maui or or whatever. Actually, these are, this wasn't even the Maui Invitational. It was California Baptist. There's a school called California Baptist and they're good, Dan. I'm telling you, they're going, c- come March, it's going to be California Baptist. And there's another school from Minnes- uh, Minnesota called, Um, it's some really small Bible school or Bible sounding school as well. But California Baptist, remember I told you, they're going to wreck somebody's bracket come March
1: all right see normally i go to you know various scouts i'll meet on the road and try to you know pick up some tips if they're you know just pro personnel or uh or advanced scouts on the side Ooh, fancy dan traveling with the team talking to scouts no you know you, you you try to do that and then uh you know a lot of times it's it's the mom that just uh you know randomly picks schools off c- colors that uh ends up having the best bracket exactly so. exactly or the world cup like like trust the octopus from new zealand he he always seems to know
0: <laughs> who's who's, who's going all right buddy uh i appreciate it as always good vent session um and actually i came away from this feeling a little bit more optimistic so i
1: think you did your job we didn't even get into Browns Bengals. So we didn't even uh, get into
0: Browns Bengals. I'm wearing my Browns hat and I've got a Browns flag right here. And we did beat you earlier in the season. And as you, you tend know, to do lately. I know. And we've got Houston here. So I think we're gonna and we're getting Deshaun back. So I think we're gonna have a little bit of momentum next time we see you. So maybe we'll have to reconvene a little smack talk.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'll 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 try to hop on Drive Time, one of those elusive sets that you know I haven't done in a, in a, in a little while. I Dude, don't think we,
0: Dante and I are over guests for Drive Time. We figure any guest good enough for a 25-minute radio show, let's get him on the podcast and, put them <laughs> up and keep him for 40. <laughs> because the it's show goes it. so quick. And between Dante and I, especially, like I, I don't know, we, we've got five shows a week. I could talk for 25 minutes about the magic every day pretty easily on my own so Dante and I don't even get in all of our opinions generally today is going to be a little I bit of a stretch had we phone might do...
1: conversation I think I've had phone conversations with you where I've I've said something and then it's 25 minutes later and, easily uh, you and I can I do it any. easily
0: especially yeah especially at certain points of the season sometimes we need <laughs> to chat for about 25 minutes at a time uh all right many thanks as always be well we'll talk to you soon okay Take care. All right, there he is, Dan Savage. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. It's at Dan underscore Savage. Read all of his stuff at OrlandoMagic.com. Jake Chapman here with you. This has been the Mostly Magic podcast. We're back next week.